sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Yeah, so I want to share with you this morning, we're doing a healing service. So the focus on healing, we're doing a series on igniting the gifts of the Spirit, Spirit power. And today we're focusing on the gift of healing. So in 1 Corinthians 12, it speaks about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, today we're focusing on, on igniting the gift of healing. Okay, so it is unfortunately a controversial uh, issue for many people and, uh, and large parts of the body of Christ. People don't really believe that Jesus heals anymore. Um, but so since uh, 2013, to over the next over those three years, we saw about 1,200 people physically healed. So as most of you would know. And uh, so I came to the conclusion that uh, Jesus still heals. Amen. So I'm going to share a few stories with you um, that God has not changed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's still working mightily in, in, in us. He wants, to, he wants to touch us. He wants to move us. And this morning, I want to share with you a, a, a critical an angle that I've not used before in terms of when it comes to healing or to the supernatural. And, but I, I've, I've discovered that this is absolutely defining. It is a, a catalyst to cause any environment of the Spirit to move into another dimension of grace, which is quite cool, but also quite challenging. So, um, so last week, I was there's a guy that came to uh, show for Convergence, the conference, and he... His name is Dr. Corne Becker, South African, but he's now the Dean of Divinity at Regent University in the United States. And he's a very influential man. And, and, and it was just incredible for me to, to experience, I've, I've, I've experienced his ministry before, but, but this time it, it was just more pronounced what I experienced. And so on the Sunday morning, I, I, I drove through to an, another church where he was ministering on the Sunday morning. And he shared a story. He said um, a while ago, earlier this year, he was uh, in his office. He received a phone call, and it was a guy called Alan. And Alan is someone that works for Reinhard Bonker. Okay, now Reinhard Bonker is an evangelist. He is basically the man who has preached to more people face-to-face than any other human being in the history of the world. They've led about 80 million people to Christ, he and his uh, the guy following up on him. 80 million people committing their lives to Christ. I mean, this is the man. So, so anyway, Cornet says it was a random phone call. He didn't explain anything. He just said, Reinhard wants to see you. And he's like, well, if Reinhard wants to see me, then I shall go. <laughs> so he booked a plane ticket. He flew to Orlando, Florida. He walked into a, a, a boardroom and he sat down. A little bit later, uh, Reinhard Bonke is about almost 80 years old now. Um, he came into the boardroom and he sat down and the rest of his board came in and he sat, they sat down. And the next moment, Reinhardt starts to weep, starts to cry. And then the rest of the board starts to cry. Everybody's crying and Courtney's like, I'm not, a, I'm not a crier. And I don't know why they're crying. So he says for the next 20 minutes, he's trying to figure out something to cry about. He's trying like, Lord... I didn't think about something to cry about now. So he's like really trying to get into this because he wants to be, you know, whatever they're crying about. <laughs> so about 20 minutes later, Reinhardt starts to speak. And he says, 
The only thing you need for ministry is the Holy Spirit. You don't need bells and whistles. You don't need fancy, flashy, anything else. You need the Holy Spirit. And then he said, I am worried about this generation who is trying to do church without the Holy Spirit. Do they know that the Holy Spirit is more than enough? So the whole meeting was about 30 minutes, 20 minutes of crying, 10 minutes of sharing. And then Cornet said for the next three days, he cried. And Reinhard looked at him and said to him, teach them about the Holy Spirit. Teach them about the Holy Spirit. Because that's what they do at the, at the Regent University. I mean, they have like revival in there. You know, they, it's incredible what God is doing there. But I was, I was so moved by what he shared because it was so resonating with what's in my heart. Lord, I don't want to do church without you. God, I don't want to do Christianity, but it's dry and empty and powerless. God, I want you. And it was amazing, man. I was, just, I was just crying right through the service when he was ministering. And at the end of it, you know, some people came to me to pray for them. And I was like, okay, praise you, bless you, bless you. But I want to get to Cornet. <laughs> I want him to just pray for me. And as he prayed over me, he just said to me, Andre, the call of God on your life is to help the body of Christ to breathe. The, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ is pneumonia. The lungs have fallen flat. They can't breathe. I've called you. God has called you to help the church to breathe again. Man, oh, and then I cried for another f- few hours. Because it was just so, there's so much opposition to the things of the Spirit from Christians. And that's just so challenging sometimes, you know. And, and, and then you start doubting, is this the way? Is it the way to go for the fullness of the Spirit? Or should we just maybe do the bells and the whistles? Like, no, I want you, God. And see, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I think a lot of confusion in the world currently is that there's a lot of people talking about the Holy Spirit, but they are missing the key ingredient, the catalytic ingredient. They talk about the Holy Spirit, but they don't talk about the holiness of God. How can you talk about the Holy Spirit, but you don't allow the Holy Spirit, the Spirit whose name is holy, to make you holy? And so there's a working of the Spirit that, that God wants to, to do. And, and I want to share with you this morning, as we, as we move into the place of, of I'm going to, at the end, just going to trust just for, for physical healing. I'm going to trust God to, to bring healing to, to our lives. You know, when you, when, you, when, when you see people going through hell, whatever it might be, they are battling, they're suffering, they're going through loads of pain. When you feel their pain, then something on the inside of you, and this has happened to me many times, I would pray for somebody and I know, it's like, Jesus, if you were here now, they would be healed. So I heard this past week about a lady with deep endometriosis. Deep endometriosis. Pastor's wife, at the pastor's summit in the middle of the year, um, I prayed with this lady, but I didn't know the result, and I found out this last week. She has had 15 years of deep 
endometriosis, endometriosis, and which basically is pain in the in the abdomen, a lot of bleeding, a lot of um, can't often can't become pregnant. Uh, they've adopted, but 15 years of pain she's been going through. 15 years of a lot of pain, bleeding, and a lot of issues. And we prayed with her in the name of Jesus, and she was she was healed. Isn't that awesome? Come on, give Jesus praise for that. So three months of no pain. You know, she's been going through that hell for 15 years, and then in one moment, the kingdom of God comes, and she's healed. And we've seen this so many times. So that, that is God's heart. You know, so, so what is a catalyst? What is a catalyst? You see, you can try to have a chemical reaction between two compounds and 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 sometimes it will take a, a long time for it to happen if you add a catalyst it it increases the rate of that reaction so did you know i read this yesterday on the internet they say in our cells in every human or every living being in our cells there's a chemical reaction happening between certain uh, materials without a catalyst they figured out it will take a trillion years for that, whatever it is to happen, to happen. A trillion years. In other words, there would be no life on this planet if it wasn't for this enzyme, which is a catalyst. It takes a trillion years without it. With it, it takes 10 milliseconds. Causes reactions in our cells to happen so that you and I can be alive today. You see, you, you, your body is designed by God. His, his, handy, his fingerprints are all over us. That there's an intelligence behind the complexity of our bodies, of our being. In every cell in your body, if that little enzyme isn't there, you are dead. And there are many of them that, need, that you need to be alive. Life is a gift. It's a gift from God. But there's a catalyst that causes something to go into another level. 10 milliseconds instead of a trillion years. So I want to take you to a, a scripture that speaks about this. So I want to share with you about the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is a catalyst. Look at this, Isaiah 6 verse 1. You see, the fear of the Lord removes the flesh, our sinful, selfish nature, and it unlocks faith. Okay, so you need to stay with me. It, uh, it's probably going to be a bit of a challenge. You won't hear this uh, in many churches, what I'm going to share with you now. But uh, I just so know that God is wanting to restore His holiness and His glory to our hearts and lives. The fear of the Lord removes the flesh, cuts away the flesh, and unlocks faith. So look at this, Isaiah 6 verse 1. The prophet has this incredible God encounter where he um, sees the Lord. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Come on, say it, I saw the Lord. Sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He had this incredible moment in a very difficult, dark season of, of the nation. He saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. And then it says, and then there are all these angels, these cherubim and, or cherubim and things happening. And then in verse 3, and one cried to another, one angel cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, it was like exclamation, it was like, holy, 
holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. I mean, every cell, every one of us, his glory, his handiwork is seen. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Yes, there's decay and destruction and sin, but that's not him. That's the corruption from the original. But the whole earth is full of his glory. If we just open our eyes, we're going to see him. And then it says, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. The house was filled with smoke. So I said, look at this response from the prophet. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am cut off. I am destroyed because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. My eyes have seen the King. You see, there's something that happens is that the moment you are truly, truly exposed to the fullness, the glory of God. It's like you suddenly realize how sinful you are. You suddenly realize how far you are falling short. And then it says, woe is me for I'm undone. It almost feels like of a cutting. I believe right there, when you see the king, it's like suddenly it's like a cutting that happens to your heart, to your being. It's like all that selfishness, the fleshliness, the sinfulness, all of that just like just fades away in the presence of the king. We need it. You need the fear of the Lord. I'll show you. It's in the New Testament as well. Every time in the, in the book of Acts where there's an incredible outpouring of the power of God, it says, and the fear of the Lord fell upon them. And then, because it removes the flesh. The flesh opposes a move of the Spirit. Uh, who's, who's, who's ever wrestled with um, thoughts or feelings or emotions that are contrary to what you know is good and the will of God. It's like things that you, you're wrestling on the inside. Okay, honest believers in the house. Because if, if you don't, then you're not human. Eh? You're not human. We're all born in sin and have a sinful nature. And until we end this life, you will continue to have to wrestle with that unless the fear of the Lord hits you. It just... Removes the flesh. The love of God is not sufficient. Only. You need the fear of God. It's an anointing. That's what I realized this, this weekend with the Dr. Cornei Becker. I, I sat through three of his sessions. It's incredible. The fear of the Lord is like an anointing. It's like an anointing. I, I know when God's going to heal somebody, I can feel the anointing in the house. Someone gets healed or delivered. But there's an anointing. Isaiah 11 two speaks about the spirit of the Lord as the fear of the Lord. And, and it's an anointing that when it moves into a place, it causes the flesh to be cut away. It causes hearts to align and all the focus to go unto God. He becomes the center of everything in one moment. And I saw this this weekend just with Cornet ministering them. Suddenly you realize, Eek, I need to repent. And then you're on your face before the Lord. God, forgive us. Forgive me for a compromise. Forgive me for allowing these things into my heart into my thinking, God, you are the king. This is what Isaiah saw. He saw the king high and lifted up, enthroned on high. And when he saw him, it's like whew, things just shifted. 
You see, what's, what's, what's like for many of us, and I don't know if this is the best illustration in the world, but I'm going to use it in any case. So um, you're walking somewhere in the, in the bush, and you, you, your mind and heart is all over the show. You're walking, and you're thinking about that. You're stressed about that. And, and, and you're walking. You, you're walking you're on your way somewhere. You're walking, you're walking. And, uh, and, and there's a lot of turmoil, maybe. You know, you, 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 you just, just you're all, all over the place. Until you come upon a snake that's right there in front of you in the, in the, in the, in the road. What is the result? Everything's focused now. Everything, you were distracted, now your soul, spirit, body, everything is survive the snake. In one moment, your whole being is aligned. Boom. It's called fear. Not only God is a snake, but, but fear. You know, for some of us, we walk into here on a Sunday, and we, uh, oh, oh man, we're going long worship today again. Oh, pastor singing. Oh, no. I can feel it. It's going to be a long one today. Man, I'm looking forward to my TV show and my this, and I'm, oh, Jesus, deliver me. You know, and then we will. And why do they sing the song over and over again? I, don't, I just don't get it. Because you're not, you're not getting it. You see, but when the fear of the Lord floods in, it just suddenly is like everything aligns. No distractions. No thinking about it later. It's all God's in the house. And we want to fall on our faces before the king. And we get over ourselves. And our selfishness and our self-focus and our flesh. And we all have that. But we need the fear of the Lord to deliver us from our casualness. And so in that one moment, when the fear of God floods in, it's like you see that snake and you're like, I'm focused. I'm focused. That's the fear of God. The fear of, of God is freedom. You can wrestle with your flesh until the end of days, or you can just have the fear of God flood in, and suddenly you're like, man, I hate sin. Man, I'm not interested in any rubbish. My eyes are on the king, and I even don't have that temptation anymore, because you're in the presence of the king. The fear of the Lord removes the flesh... And unlocks faith. Because suddenly all the eyes, all of our being is focused on the great God. As God is instantaneously amplified in our midst. I mean, He's massive already. But in our midst, He is amplified. And suddenly the kingdom of God can come. We need the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is an anointing. It is a gift, a grace gift from God that He pours it into us. And suddenly we get over ourselves. And then the kingdom of God can come. So the fear of the Lord is a catalyst for a great move of God. So we see this all over the Old Testament that many times the Israel or Judah, they, they, the fear of God would, would leave and they would fall into sin and they would rebel and they would do all lot of horrible stuff and, and, and then the presence of God would move away. And then one day the fear of the Lord begins to return. What happens? People begin to repent they fall on their faces before God and they stop worshipping the idols and they remove all the other stuff. What happens? God returns to the nation. And then He fights for them. Then He fights their battles for them and they are no longer 
oppressed by others because God himself takes up the fight. You see, you can't say, I want the power of God, but you're not willing to be holy. And yes, you can't make yourself holy. You must ask him to help you. God, I need a bit of fear. And so every now and again, I, you know, we, the Bible says it so clearly, it's not, in general, not the love of God that keeps us from sin. It says, the fear of the Lord keeps us from sin. It's just a supernatural grace to walk away from things that distract. So we see, see this in the Old Testament, and we see this in the New Testament. Look at this. Acts 2, verse 43. In the New Testament, this is the original revival in the book of Acts, multiple times. I'm not going to go into all the verses, but I just want to lay this foundation. It says, then, come on, say fear. Say, came upon every soul. Yes, it says there. Then fear came upon every soul. The flesh was cut away. Faith was unlocked. And this is, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. You see the connection? God's in the house. Then God moves. You see, there's a, a large part of the body of Christ currently that's focusing on the Holy Spirit, but not on the holiness. Focusing on the Holy Spirit and the love of God, which is all true and is awesome. God loves us. You and I, we are sons and daughters of God. He celebrates us. He loves you. But also, there's the fear of God. What says, you and I, we are his servants. Old Bible says, we are bond servants. We're slaves. We must obey. We must reverence and honor him. You need both parts or you're going to lose it. Only the fear of God, you're going to lose it. Only the love of God, you're going to lose it. There are two parts of who God is. He is God and He is love, but He is holy. And if, if we look at our country, we've lost the holiness. We've lost the fear of the Lord. That's why we have chaos. And we can march and we can say, stop doing evil, people. It's not going to change anything until the fear of the Lord returns to our land. That's the only thing that's going to shift people away from doing evil and from humbling and submitting themselves to the will of God. So the fear of the Lord is freedom. It is freedom. It is it's like, it, it doesn't cause you to run away from God. It causes you to run to God. So like, so that He can wash you clean and He can heal you up and sort you out and set you free. The fear of the Lord is amazing. It really is. It, it, it leads to freedom. And so I, I've seen this just so many times that even, even in my own life, the moment the fear of the Lord comes upon me, it's like I want to step out of the way. I only want Jesus to be seen. It is a, some, a, something supernatural that happens in your heart. Even if you're preaching, it's like I want to step into the shadows and I want to have only Jesus exalted. I, I only want eyes on Christ I only want Him to be exalted. Last time I checked, I'm small. And if I even just slip in the bathroom and hit my head, I'm dead. So, I'm small. He's massive. He designed our bodies. He gave us life. He put breath into your lungs. Every day is a gift. Every day you're alive is a gift. Are we living in that reality, the fear of the Lord helps us to remember that. The fear of the Lord helps us to be aware again. God, you're huge. You're amazing. Creator of heaven and earth. You are awesome. The fear of the Lord reduces our pride into humility and magnifies the King of Kings 
and the Lord of Lords. Amen. The fear of the Lord, as I said, removes the flesh, unlocks faith. It's amazing, Isaiah 11 verse 3, it speaks about the coming Messiah, it speaks about Jesus. And then just before it speaks about the fear of the Lord, the Holy Spirit being as the fear of the Lord. Then it says about Jesus, now this is fascinating, it says, His delight is in the fear of the Lord. What? Why on earth would God who became flesh, Jesus Christ, why would His delight be in the fear of the Lord? When I, then I analyze Jesus' ministry, then I see man. The only way he could have done that with all the opposition and all the persecution and all the challenges and all the trials was because he simply had a holy reverence for his father. And therefore he could. He could do what he was called to do. A holy reverence of God. Acts 9, 31 speaks about the two legs. What I believe is critical for a true revival. It says, And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Do you see it there? Walking in the fear of the Lord and walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The love component, the, the identity, the sons, the daughters, the celebration. But the fear of the Lord, we servants. So the, this past weekend, it was a few times I had to facilitate or I was in, in, in a church Sunday morning also in a church service. And I, I was just wanting to sit in. I was sitting like in the side corner back. I was like, I don't want anybody to see me. I just want to receive from Dr. Becker. I just want to come and receive the ministry and enjoy the worship. I don't want to be seen, Lord. Because I... And then halfway into the worship, the, the pastor comes to me and says, if the Lord tells you anything, bring it. I'm like, no, no, I don't want to bring anything. I just want to be in the corner, be humble, not want to be seen. And at the end of the worship, then I start feeling the Holy Spirit says, no, I must bring a word, I must bring a, a, a song and tongues. And, oh, I'm like, no, no, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then I remember, no, but I am the servant of God. Get over yourself. Just do what the Spirit tells you to do. Do the will of God. Man, and the Lord pitched up. It was incredible. But I had to get over myself. You see, the fear of the Lord helps you to get over yourself. Because I am His servant. I am his servant, you know, and therefore I must do his will. It doesn't matter what people say or people think. So many of us are bound by the fear of man. Do you know why? Because we don't have the fear of God. You cannot have the fear of man when you have the fear of God. The one guy said, give me a hundred men who fear nothing but God and we'll change the world. Hmm? They say John Wesley said that. They changed the world. <laughs> Give me a hundred men who fear nothing but God, and we will change the world. So, cutting away the flesh. Just want to highlight it. Romans 6, verse 22. It says, But now, having been set free from sin. That's the cutting. Having been set free. The cutting away. The moment the fear of the Lord comes in, it cuts away the sin cuts away the flesh. It cuts away the competition and the envy and the pride and the strife. It cuts it away. And then it says there, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. There is a place, and being a slave or being a servant of God is freedom because you get over yourself. 
That, that, that is the place, when you get to that place, you are free. It's like I have this picture. If you were walking on that, on, that, on that pathway, and as you're walking on that pathway, there are these temptations everywhere wanting to distract you, whatever it might be, or it might be fears or, or, or whatever things, but everywhere there's these temptations on the way. But the moment you see the snake, you're going to be focused on the snake. And the snake is going to walk you all the way down that pathway. The fear of the Lord is going to walk you all the way down the pathway. You're not going to see the other things because you're only focused on Him. And that's not a perfect illustration. But uh, (laughs) the point being is the fear of the Lord brings freedom. It's an anointing. We need to unlock this anointing in our homes, in our lives, in this church. If we are to move where God wants us to go. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is not sufficient. You need the fear of the Lord as well. You see, the kingdom of God must first come in us before the kingdom can come through us. You know, our Father, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. You see that? So in other words, the will of God must be done in us so that His will can be done through us. There's a place if you want to see the kingdom of God manifest through your life, you need to allow God to align you with Him. How do you align? The fear of the Lord. Divine order. Humility. Honor. I'll unpack that in the, in the future. But the flesh blocks the move of the Spirit while the fear of the Lord unleashes it. The flesh blocks the move of the Spirit while the fear of the Lord unleashes it. The fear of the Lord brings deliverance from every sinful thing. The fear of the Lord comes and circumcises the heart. It cuts away the bad parts of our hearts so that we might truly, truly live. Do you want to live? Want to be free? The fear of the Lord. The fear of sin leads to death. Disobedience leads to death. But the fear of the Lord leads us into life and freedom. You see, when you have the fear of the Lord, you realize you are His servant. He is not your servant. Okay, so I want to just end off with this. Unlocking faith. Let's get into healing. Igniting the gift of healing. The gift of healing is anchored in who Jesus is. And what he has done for us at the cross. Let me say that again. The gift of healing. If you want to ignite the gift of healing. If you want to see signs and wonders. But specifically now focus just on healing. Physical or even the heart. Healing. It is anchored in knowing who God is. Who Jesus is. And also what he has done for us at the cross. You see the, the, the confusion comes when it comes to the, the will of God. What is the will of God when it comes to physical healing? Hmm? How do we normally pray? In most churches, we pray as follows. Lord, if it is your will, please heal. Okay, so how's that been working for you? <laughs> Doesn't work very well, does it? It's normally just a prayer to sort of comfort the dying. That's not the, it's not a biblical prayer. A biblical prayer is be healed in Jesus' name. To take up authority and speak. But then you need to know the will of God. The the power of God can only be claimed where the will of God is known. 
And the will of God gives us the confidence to say, Lord, be healed. Let this one be healed right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be healed. The confusion is the will of God. The confusion is the will of God. I can't unpack the whole thing, but the gift of healing is anchored in who Jesus is. And in the Old Testament even already, the Lord said, I am the Lord who heals you. He did not say, I was the Lord who heals you. He did not say, I will be the Lord who heals you. He said, I am. Come on, say it, I am. That is, he's saying, God is saying, this is who I am. I am the Lord who heals you. As much as God desires to forgive sins, he desires to heal physical diseases. So imagine this for a moment. You come to God and you say, Lord, if it is your will, save me. Is that a good prayer to pray? No. Why? Because we know the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ, the price that he paid at the cross was for all our sins. For the worst of the worst, it's been paid. I can boldly come. It's available. I'm not begging. I am just receiving. Thank you, Jesus. And when you died at that cross, when you shed your blood, when you died, when you breathed your last, you died for all my stuff. I can boldly come. Some of us battle to boldly come, but you should boldly come and receive the forgiveness that God has purchased for you at the cross. In the same way, when Jesus went to the cross, he died for all our physical stuff. He died. He was whipped. Why? He was beaten. Why? He went through hell. Why? So that we can be healed. Why? Because he loves. He is compassion. He looks at somebody and says, man, I love you so much. Jesus, he didn't hang on a cross as a spirit being only. He hung on the cross as a soul, spirit, and body to redeem the whole man. Soul, spirit, and body. That is the true gospel. That is, the, that is God's heart and will. But it is faith that unlocks our ability to receive. And the fear of the Lord, understanding who God is. You see, what the fear of God does is, is that if God said it, I mean, guys, I don't know about you, some of you married men. How do you feel when your wife doesn't believe you? You. You. Woman. My word. My word. I told you. This is the truth. You know? It's incredibly offensive when somebody says to you, well, I don't believe you. Now imagine the fear of God is like, God, I believe your word. A lack of the fear of God is like, I, you, oh, I don't know. I'm not persuaded. The fear of the Lord unlocks faith. It's like, God said it. He said it. I am the Lord who heals you. I'm going to take you at your word. You've said that by your stripes I am healed. I'm going to take you at your word. Psalm 103. The Lord who forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. God, I believe. I mean, this lady at, uh, at Grafernet prayed for her. She had cancer in her eye. It was a Saturday afternoon. She was diagnosed in Port Elizabeth with a cancer in her eye. And uh, we prayed for her. The next moment she felt like a heat, the fire of God moving into her eye. Monday morning she had an appointment with a specialist in Cape Town. 
She went there, had all the te- tests done, all the checkups done. They couldn't find a trace of cancer. Hallelujah. Praise God. She walked out of the, out of the um, doctor's area. She walked out there proclaiming Psalm 103. The Lord, for, for, do, forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, the one who forgives all my iniquities, the one who heals all my diseases, he is Jehovah Rapha. He is my healer. It is faith that connects us to the power of God. And the fear of God unlocks faith like nothing else. It is a catalyst to take our faith levels into another dimension. Because suddenly I realize he's the creator of heaven and earth. All the billions of planets. He made it. So goodness, he can cause cancer to leave in Jesus' name. Say amen. Amen. That is who our God is. The fear of the Lord unlocks the greatness of God. And we stand upon his word and we know who he is. Prayed for a lady in in Rio de Janeiro, uh, uh, Josie Costa. She had grade what is it, level four stage cancer. The cancer spread all over her body. She was going through chemotherapy. She was going through all this stuff. All her glands were swollen. She had lymphoma cancer. Prayed with her. We were commanded healing in Jesus' name. And then I said to her, test. And then she went to test the glands. And then suddenly her eyes went big like, the, the swelling's gone, the swelling's gone, the swelling's gone. So strength came back. She felt God touched her. About a month later, I went onto Facebook. Somebody tagged me. She tagged me. Celebrating. Went to the doctors. She's completely healed. 180 comments. Brazilians love Facebook. They're like, yeah, Jesus. The fear of the Lord unlocks faith. The fear of the Lord calls us to stand upon His Word. The fear of the Lord calls us to renounce the unbelieving cultures in our churches and in our communities where we have reduced God to a little nobody. He's not a little nobody. He is the great God, the King over the universe. And He wants this nation on its knees. It will not happen without the fear of God. It will not happen without a holy reverence for who He is. Holy, holy, and at the same time, he's love. And he wants to heal, and he wants to set free. So look at this verse, it's so powerful. Every time Jesus heals somebody, he's saying, I love you. Matthew 8, verse 2 to 3, the whole question is the will of God. Suddenly, a leper, a leper was walking dead. They were dying, there was no hope. A leper walked up to Jesus and threw himself down before him in worship and said, Lord, you have the power to heal me. Isn't that what we say? God, you can if you wanted to. But we actually accuse God as if he doesn't want to. So he says there, Lord, you have the power to heal me if you really want to. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the leper and said, Of course I want to heal you. Be healed. I love that. Of course. Of course I want to heal you. Be healed. And instantly all signs of leprosy 
disappeared. The other translation says, I am willing. Love demands that God's going to move. He's, he's ready. He's just looking for some faith. He's just looking for some expectation. He's just looking for someone that would stand upon his word and say, you've said it, so I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to trust you for this in Jesus' name. So many of us are falsely accusing God. I want to share this quote by uh, Kenneth McKenzie. And when it comes to the will of God, it normally is that something bad happened. Oh, it was the will of God. He says, the will of God is associated with sick rooms, poverty, loss, bereavement, funerals, the open grave. The will of God to such is always dressed in black. And this conception of His will gives us sickly Christians weak faith, empty joy, puny conquests. No, the will of God is to heal. As Jesus said, Lord, if you can, if you want to. Man, I so want to. Of course I want to. Of course I want to touch you. Of course I want to set you free from whatever it is you are battling with. Of course I want to, want to heal you and cleanse you and deliver you. Of course. I mean, have you any idea how big God is? But yet we need to uh, upgrade our faith a little bit. Amen. Come on, let's say it. I believe. It is the will of God to heal. Amen. So there was a guy in church, um, about a few years ago, he came to me weeping in worship. He was just like this bawling, diagnosed with a sexually transmitted disease, incurable, incurable. Spoke again to him over the last year and he said, I'm healed. Hallelujah. Jesus heals STDs. We prayed for a boy, 12-year-old boy, earlier this year in Cambridge location. He had epilepsy and heart murmurs since 2011, in and out of hospital continuously. Jesus touched him. He was healed. He went back to the doctors. They declared healed. Amen. We had a lady also at Cambridge. She had an asthma attack, and she was battling to breathe, and and, and, and she, she came into a little prayer meeting. Some of the guys were praying together. As she stepped into the prayer meeting, suddenly she was instantaneously healed. As she just stepped into the presence of God. Amen. Prayed for a guy named Paul in Swakopmund. He had six weeks left to live. This is in 2017. September 2017. Six weeks left to live. Prayed for him. The power of God came upon him. He fell to the ground like a rag doll. The power of God all over him. He felt like the presence and the power of God running up and down his body. Up and down his body. Praise God. Two years later, he's still alive. Hallelujah. Praise God. God touched him. Our God is powerful. The real gospel, the real good news is not just salvation, although that is... The ultimate. To have your sins washed away and your name written in the book of life. It is nothing compares to knowing that you have been washed clean and your sins are forgiven and you can have eternity with God. It's amazing. But that is not the whole deal. And I tell you, God wants to break out. He wants to break out. He wants every one of His children to take Him at His word. Say, God, you've said it. I believe it. Let your kingdom come. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.